0: All right, open your scriptures to Colossians chapter 1. I'm sure many of you are aware that last hymn we just sang was written by Ron Hamilton, known as Patch the Pirate. And it's so funny because, you know, Gretchen and I are in churches about every other week. And as you know, with different journeys with my eye. I've worn the patch some, I had to wear it some, and not other times. But if you go into a church in our circles being about my age... And you walk in, these kids, all of a sudden, they just freeze. And all of a sudden, they, they, they come up closer. And, and who are they anticipating? Ron Hamilton. And so I disappoint kids all over this country when they realize that, uh, no, I'm not Ron Hamilton. But Ron has blessed our churches and so much, so I appreciate his ministry. And I appreciate you. We we are, uh, again, gone about every other Sunday. We try to be here each Wednesday for accountability, regardless if we're traveling or not. So if we're not here, uh, pray for us. And then when we are here, I hope to pray with you, because everyone needs accountability, and that's part of what we're here to do. And also, thanks for supporting our family all these years. Our history with UBC, I started coming in 1979 uh, through the encouragement and prayers of Bert and... Uh, and Dr. Dunn really were the two that ended up here and then met Gretchen and, uh, through a different way. And in 1995, we left, went out to help a church that this church helped start. And then in, um, four years ago, we transitioned to our son Marshall, who was really raised in this church. And he pastors there now. So, uh, it's great. In fact, we were there last week. So it's great to be back. In fact, this past Friday, I met with a young man that was called to preach under our ministry there in Rock Hill. About where he would be serving next. So that's your spiritual grandchild. Okay. So it's great to have a church that planted a church and now the, the, the people in that church are going out. So really, uh, I'm thankful for University of Baptist Church and serving under Pastor Sin those years. And, and really, so it's great. And also Psalm 34, we, we read that. I appreciate Joseph. That became, I adopted that Psalm actually from Joseph teaching on it here on a Wednesday night. And during my trial, I adopted Psalm 34 and I had a man call me last night going through a trial. I said, "Okay, here's what you do. You get on your knees and you pray Psalm 34 aloud. So if you have never done something like that, Psalm 34 is a great place to start praying Scripture aloud back to the Lord. All right. Colossians one. Colossians chapter one, as we look at your spiritual mission statement, your spiritual life. So what is it? The beauty of the Word of God is, see, the Word of God not only tells you what to do, but it tells you how to do it. So as you look at Colossians 1 this morning, we want to look at, okay, so what is a believer's mission statement? What have they been called to do? And then, so how do you do it? So if you go to Colossians 1, the, the phrase we're going to key on here is, In verse 10, then we'll work our way back and forward. So as to walk, or what should a, what should a Christian's spiritual walk look like? What should their life look like? It says walk in what? A manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. So what we want to do is, what does, so if, if pleasing Christ is our, our mission statement, so what does that really look like? And so as we, Go through, I think, the before indicators this morning. We have a lot of indicators in life. And as I was just meditating, you know, sometimes we have too many indicators. I I had an old phone about a year ago, and as we were traveling, as you know, when you're traveling, you got to have your phone because of the gate change or whatever, car reservations, everything's tied to that phone. So I was very aware of the battery indicator, okay, so I mean, I was really in tune with that in fact they even carried a one of those external batteries you know and even that battery has an indicator of how charged it is all right so we live in a life of indicators in our cars or whatever but what us understand is there's some indicators that we'll cover this morning and I want you to compare that put that over your life and we, we've been called to please Christ so with that how are you doing what is the spiritual, health of your life. With my eye, there's been one indicator. All this process is called the pressure of your eye. And this last problem uh, that has come up, it was very clear once they checked the pressure, I had a problem, another problem. So indicators. So spiritually, we want to compare ourselves to the Word of God this morning to really say, okay, how is our spiritual health doing? And that's where we want to go. So Father, we ask you to Help our hearts be still. Father, we thank you for your word. It is alive. It's powerful. As we interact with it this morning, I beg of you that we will leave comparing our lives to what you have in Scripture. Lord, meet with us now. May our hearts just be still. May the Holy Spirit have free course to work in us as we need to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get in Colossians 1, picked up in verse 9. And from this day we heard and have not ceased to do what? Pray for you. So you should have an outline in your bulletin. And the first one, look at it. We have a privilege of praying for others. So as others are fulfilling the mission statement of their life, we have the privilege to pray for them. And it says, Paul, as he said here, so as the day we, heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So this prayer should be continually from the day we heard it. And you go through one through eight as Joseph read for us. We understand that. This church was probably planted by the church at Ephesus. Probably uh, Epaphras came to Christ at some point and was trained at the church at Ephesus and has now come back here. And he's saying what Paul has said that is the gospel in verse 6 is bearing fruit, is increasing. We pray that the church of Colossae will have a part of this. So I remind you that Christ is saving people. The gospel is growing all over the world. The question is really, do we as a local church have a privilege of participating in that? And this is what Paul was praying as he's in prison for this church. So we know this. So Paul's desire is the gospel keeps growing worldwide that this church will be able to participate in that. And again, Epaphras was used to help plant this church. So as this church in Colossae, Paul was praying for lasting fruit to come from this church. Because as we understand, in every church there are disciplers and there are disciples. So as Epaphras was called and, and saved through the church at Ephesus, somebody discipled him. And then now he goes back and plants this church. Look at verse 7. What does Paul say? You are now learning from Epaphras, who was saved and trained. So you are learning. So as the cycle continues, you are need to be discipled by someone. And then as a, if you are a disciple, you need to go and disciple somebody else. This is the way churches stay healthy. This is the way churches grow. So as it's happening here, are you a discipler? Are you a disciple? We all are disciples of Christ if you're born again. But the question is, then who are you duplicating your life in? This is the way a healthy church. This is a spiritual investment that you have been called to make in the life of others. So as you do this, a a personal spiritual investment in the life of someone else and Paul is saying, this was made in the life of Epaphras, and now he is, is, you are learning it from him. Our beloved fellow servant is the way he is described. So you should pray continually, and you should pray specifically. Look at the end of verse 9, asking that what? You may be filled with the knowledge of God's will, His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So here Paul was praying very specifically. Paul's request is that they would know God's will. And by knowing God's will, then they would be filled with wisdom and understanding, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul has prayed for the church here to do this, the church here to understand this. And often when you hear this word, the will of God, there seems to be almost sometimes a mystery involved with that, but it doesn't have to be. Just a couple of references with this. We know there's a directive will of God, and again, this is a summary, and there are many different ways you can summarize it. So this is not a, a summary on the will of God. This is just simply an observation, but there is a directive will of God, what God has already declared and directed us through His Word. And we know from John 14:15, if you love me, do what? Obey my will, keep my commandments. It's God's. So when you see a direct commandment from God, it is God's will for us to keep that. So with that, but we also have where it gets a little bit different, we have what some people call the decreed will of God. And this is simply as we go each day, as we grow and change each day, we're able to discern what God's will as it comes to pass. I've been planning since Pastor Cook asked me several months ago to preach this message today. Okay, and when do I really know I'm doing it right now? Okay, so as God has allowed this to come to pass, so much of life is like that. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, brothers, or therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, you know this passage, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? So how are we transformed? How? By the renewal of the inner man, our mind. Why? So we will be able to discern the will of God. So as we are being transformed by the word of God, the spirit of God, each day in our spiritual walk with God, you need to be able to discern the will of God. And this is called the decreed will of God. So as you look at this, as you're loving God, you can know God's will. He's declared in his word. And as you're loving God each day, you then can discern God's will. It doesn't have to be a mystery. We can rest in the fact as we are growing and changing and being a disciple and discipling others, you're not going to miss God's will. Rest in that fact. So as we go through this, you know God's will by knowing God's word and growing and changing. You live God's word empowered by his grace. So really the question is, in God's will, what is the next step of faith you need to take? You know, there are life-changing moments in everyone's life. There really are. Um, and, and the first in mine was when I was saved. But it wasn't, you know, that lightning struck from heaven. What happened? I was just going about my business as a freshman at Clemson, moving in and setting up, and someone knocked on my door and gave me the gospel, just doing what I was supposed to be doing. When I uh, met my wife, what was I doing? Well, you just pursue a wife, right? And, you, and, and God brought her. It wasn't, you know, anything written in the stars. You just do the next right thing of being called to preach here at the University of Baptist Church. It wasn't again, it it was just doing what you do was coming to church, coming to missions conferences, hearing the burden of the word of God. And then God changes your direction. So I, I want to remind you that seeking the will of God is doing the next step of faith that God has called you to do just in the mundane. So don't make this this, you know, something more than than it really is. It's great, and God's in control. Again, when we went to Rock Hill and left here, it wasn't what I wanted, but it's what God opened. You know, because University of Baptist Church had helped plant this church, so we went up. And if you haven't heard the story, our first Sunday up there, I remind you, we got almost back to Anderson, and my wife said, what did you think of that church? And my famous answer was what? Yeah, my wife said, I I would not touch that church with a 10-foot pole, but God in His will led us there. Okay, so please understand as you look through this, He says this, that uh, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we have the privilege to pray for others. Now, so the question is, how does this tie in with the mission statement of God. Look at the first uh, first word in verse 10. All right, so Paul is praying this continually and specifically and the first word of verse 10 is this little word so. Okay, or some translation say so that. Okay, so Paul is praying this for this reason. So he is praying this for the church at Colossae so that you will walk worthy of the Lord. So he's praying this so then they can know and understand God's call in their life. So that you will walk worthy of the Lord. And then the phrase fully pleasing to him. So again, so many have adopted this. In fact, uh, good night. There it is. Just lost my pointer. Look at this. Second Corinthians 5. Okay, there's a lot here. But most consider this as as 2 Corinthians 5, 9, as really, okay, this is their mission statement. Okay, what is it? And he lays it out this way, that no matter where you are, present or absent, that you may live a life pleasing to him, so that, what, verse 10, when you appear before the judgment seat of Christ, you can give a good account. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 5, 9 has the same aspect of this, And then it's repeated here in Colossians 1. But what I love about Colossians 1, then it tells you how to do this. So as you look at this. So these verses tell you four things or four indicators. So what is the first indicator? Bearing fruit in every good work. Okay, these four indicators, you know, I don't want to. These are participles, So I N G words. So the first one is bearing fruit in what? Every good work work so what is the fruit of the spirit Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control so we know the spirit of God living in us produces this fruit in our life and so he's saying here that you are what you to walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him by bearing fruit in every good work you do This fruit flows from the heart. So as I'm pleasing Christ, my heart desire, whatever that may be, my whole purpose is to please Christ. That's my desire. And as this comes out of the heart, I'm going to be doing what? I'm going to be bearing fruit in every good work. Luke chapter 6 says it well, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. You know this passage. Drop down to verse 45. For the good person out of the good treasure his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the what? Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So out of the heart this good fruit is flowing. So i got to say, okay, what? What? where's my heart? Where am I spending my time? Because where I'm spending my time is going to reflect where I am investing time. And this is clearly illustrating every good work. So I've got to be careful where I spend my time because not every work is good work. So where are you investing your time? So I need to carefully consider what or who you invest in to make sure I'm bringing forth fruit, fruit that will remain, because I'm supposed to be bearing fruit with every good work. That is an indicator if if I am living a life pleasing to Christ. So am I bearing this fruit? What's the second one? Continue on in verse 10. It says here, increasing. This is our next participle. Increasing in what? The knowledge of God or the way I got in your outline, you're growing. So increasing the knowledge of God is growing. This knowledge of God, listen carefully, is a precise and correct understanding of God. It's just not an academic knowledge. This, this knowledge is a correct and, price and precise understanding of who God is. So am I as I am producing this fruit, growing this fruit, you also are to be growing in your knowledge of God. Your spiritual life is a journey. You know that. In the physical life, you know, we're at the stage now of grandchildren, so we have some, we, I think we have 11, last I checked, right, Gretchen, 11. Ten and under. So, you know, we have, in this is a grandchildren, we have infants, but I think we have one infant right now. Then we have some little children. We don't have any teens yet, but, I mean, you just think physically there are different stages, and then teens, and then young adults, middle-aged adults, and then older adults. The same thing is true spiritually. But what happens when Christians don't grow? It says here you are to be increasing in the knowledge of God. You're to be increasing. You should know your spiritual life. You're to be growing. You're to be maturing. You have to. So what does this look like? One person put it this way. Most believers are about 200 verses overweight. Okay, think about that. That's not original with me. But they say, most believers, oh, they have the knowledge of God, but they don't do anything with it. Now, notice what's given first. You're producing fruit. And growing in the knowledge. These two go hand in hand. Because when you have the right knowledge of God, then you're going to be producing food. Fruit. (laughs) You'll be producing fruit. And what is this saying? Remember the verse in Timothy? Exercise yourself into what? Godliness. So producing fruit, growing fruit, is the workout. I mean, it, it it shows the workout of what you're doing from the knowledge of God. The two go hand in hand. But again, a lot of people know all about God. They don't do anything with it. Epaphras did something with it. He was saved, and now he's going back and, and pastoring or, or leading this church here in Colossae. So do you need to go look in the mirror and say, okay, how am I doing? Remember, the Word of God is called the mirror into your soul. So you've got to say, okay, am I increasing in the right knowledge of God, or am I just increasing in the academic knowledge of God? Are you will? Do you know God well enough to take that next step of faith you need to take in your spiritual journey with Him? Ephesians 4 speaks well of it, and he said he gave some apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds' teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Pastor Cook's ministry of the Word is to equip you for the work of the ministry. The errors don't go back to him. His pulpit ministry, his private teaching ministry, is to equip us to do the work of the ministry. Verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to what? Mature manhood. Verse 14. That we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways or carried about with every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful shames. Look at verse 15. Where am I on the screen? Verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to, notice the phrase on the screen, do what? Grow up. This is the same word used back in Colossians 1 for increasing. So we are to spiritually be growing up, increasing in the correct knowledge of God, increasing in every way unto Him who is ahead in Christ, for whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped, when each part working properly makes the body grow and builds itself up in love. Now, you know we're in a college town. I think this town likes college football. So if, if you look here at verse 16... The whole body, every joint working together, there's not a busted ACL in our congregation. You got me? So the whole congregation, with the different giftedness that the Spirit of God has given you, working together as Pastor Cook equips us, we are to do the work of the ministry. And this shows you, again, go back to verse 11, I mean verse 10, increasing in the knowledge of God. So this is our second indicator You've got to say, are you increasing in the knowledge of God? 1 Corinthians 3 puts it the same way. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but people of the flesh as what? What does it say? Talk to me here. What? What's the last phrase here in this verse? Infants. It goes on to say, I fed you milk and not solid food because you were not ready. You were not fit enough to eat the meat of the word. So what is the indicator in your life right now? Are you growing or are you just staying a spiritual infant? Second indicator is growing. Third indicator, look at verse 11. Now, the ESV does not put the participle on here, translate this way, that you may be strengthened or you are being strengthened. It's the way I think I put it on your outline, being strengthened That you may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So the third indicator is you're being strengthened as a Christian as you're walking out and taking that next step of faith, whatever that may be, to live a life pleasing to him. So this is important to understand. This is a spiritual strength for you to live out God's will in your life. A believer is strengthened. And notice how it says what it says here, by his glorious might. It is the glory of God, the power of the glory of God living in you that gives you the spiritual strength for you to carry out and live a life pleasing to God. You cannot do it on your own. This is, some people call it grace, the way Paul words it here is, it is the power of the glory of God being that that kind of might is how you are strengthened as a Christian. So as you're going through the trials or whatever you're going through, this strength is marked in you as a life pleasing to Christ. This is God living through you. Colossians 1 speaks of that later. This strength comes from the Holy Spirit that lives in you and the purpose for God supplying this strength. Notice the end of the verse. So why are you given this glorious might for all endurance and patience with what? What's the last word? What is with joy? So as you're facing whatever you're doing and remember, as you're growing and changing, James says, we're going to rejoice in our trials. So as you're going through those trials here, Paul is telling the church, you are strengthened by the glory, the might of God, the might of the glorious power of God so that you can have the endurance and patience to go through this trial with what? joy so as you grow in a Christian you are to grow with patience with endurance working through just plugging through the mundane things of life but you got to do it how with joy and Ephesians 3 tells us about this for this reason I bow my knees before the father I not I wasn't aware that we would be singing bow the knee for whom every family in heaven on earth is named That according to his glory, the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be what? Strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And again, here's another one of our words. So that, or so all this is happening. Why? Verse 17 So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to what? According to what? This supernatural power that Paul is speaking here at the church in Colossae that is, the, is through his glorious might. So this is the power of God resting in you. The power works within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this is God's strength for you to embrace the trial you are facing right now and to do it how? With joy. This is the God-given strength that you need at whatever phase of life you're in to live out God's will. This is the strength that is given to you to do this. So how are you holding up? You doing it in your strength or in the, the glorious, the way it's worded here, the glorious might of God? You doing it with joy? Are you continuing with patience and endurance? Or have you just kind of pulled over with the rest stop and just said, I'm going to rest for a while. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you're going through t- trials, sometimes you feel like I'm just going to part for a while. You do. And my wife, you know, kicks me in the right places to get me out when I'm going into those places in my life right now. Because, I mean, there's some days, and she'll tell you, I just want to go into the basement. I'm just going to sit in my recline in the dark basement. She'll let me do that for a little while. But what do I need to be doing? Strengthen how? By the glorious might of God. And not be in park or in neutral in my spiritual journey to do what? Please Christ. So again, God's called me to please him. And I only can do that as I am strengthened through his glorious might to give me the patience and endurance I need. And then what's my attitude that's going to result in that? Joy. Boy, it is so easy to complain. It is so easy not to take every thought captive. Some time ago when this eye problem started, Rachel Singapogo gave us the biography of Jonathan Goforth. And if you know him, he was a Presbyterian missionary out of Canada and really did so much in China. And at the end of his life, he had one eye go out from a retina problem. And said, "Okay." but then by the end his life is over, the other eye was gone. And we just finished this last night. I mean, we just read this last night. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay. Um now God, because they, they gave a testimony of gofor I'm sorry, they gave a testimony of forth life after he was blind, of his radiant joy of the Lord. And I'm sitting there, okay, so should that be an encouragement to me, yes or no? Yes. So we know the life, we know this in Hebrew. So the life of other believers should be a great pattern and encouragement to us. But notice. It is the strengthening power of God, not somebody else. Okay, listen carefully. Notice what the verse is saying. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. So the third indicator, we got to say, am I being strengthened by the power of God, or am I trying to do this in the flesh? Because as you're going through what God has for you as what you're living a life pleasing to Him, Whatever that's looking like, the power's got to come from God, not from us, okay? There's no way you can do this, okay? We've got to be strengthened how? By the power. Now, <clears throat> again, do we pray for one another? Yes. Do we love one another? Yes. Do we care about one another within a local church? Absolutely. But, folks, your personal responsibility is to rely upon the strengthening power of the glorious might of God. That's where the strength comes from. So are you doing that? So that's number three. Look at the last one. Starting in verse 12. Giving thanks. Okay? Giving thanks to whom? Say it with me. Come on now. The Father. Why? Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us... The believers from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All right, now we got to unpack that just a minute. All right, the key is giving thanks, and who are we giving thanks to? The Father. Why? Notice what He's done. He's qualified you. You're authorized is what this means. So when He qualifies you, that means you're authorized to share in the lot of eternal life for the children of God. That's a classic definition of what this means to be qualified. He's authorized you to share in the eternal life. All right, so let's unpack the next thing. He says he has qualified you. He's delivered us. Delivered us. Rescued us is another way to put it. He's rescued every believer from the realm of darkness. Remember, what's the context here? Giving thanks. So Lord, I'm I'm thanking you, I'm I'm thanking you that you've qualified a believer, as a believer I'm qualified, Lord, I thank you for rescuing me, thank you for rescuing me, you ever been, you've ever needed to be rescued, delivered, I remember, I think Bert and I were, I don't know, seniors in high school, and we're going to some football tryout down in Clinton, I think, and at this time, my parents had a Volkswagen camper, you know, the ones that probably are worth about a gazillion dollars now, you know, with the, the old Volkswagen. And you, it's a collector's item now, but that's what, anyway. So, going to Burt's farm and, and, and it had been raining a lot and this creek was just overflowing. Well, in me and my, I'll, I'll use this word, children, if your parents don't, you use it to understand. In me and my stupidity, okay, I know stupid can be a bad word in some families. But anyway, I said, I, I can, I can get across this creek. I really can't. So I backed up and put it in reverse. And I got a full steam ahead and I hit that creek and the, the, it just it stopped. So I opened the door and this creek was just flowing right under this van. Outside thinking my father's going to kill me. Next thing I'm thinking, how am I going to be delivered from this? And so I'm sitting there and, and this guy drives up. Coming the other way. And never will forget I'm sitting there hopelessly in trouble so I, I, I waded out waded through the creek and I said hey can you please take me to the Campbell's farm and then Bert's dad drove his truck down and we dragged it out that I was rescued think of that spiritually think of that spiritually we need to be thankful because God has rescued us from our sin notice the next word here he has transferred us from the kingdom of what to what says he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son and notice the next two words in whom we have redemption word redemption means liberated literally from the slave market of sin released because a payment has been made there's so much theology here just to unpack what's a beautiful picture here of the payment being made for my sin. And what's the context? Giving thanks to God. What's the next word here? Forgiveness of sins. So we're giving thanks to God for what's going on here. No, before I was saved as a freshman at Clemson, when I first heard there could be forgiveness of sins, Wow, somebody quoted First John 1, 9 in a Bible study before I was saved. And I actually had hope. You mean there's forgiveness? Because again, as a college freshman at Clemson, nobody had to tell me I was a sinner, right? But there can be forgiveness. So these four things. So what is the object of your faith? Can you give thanks to God for this? close with this passage I love this passage Romans chapter 4 talking about Abraham this is what it says no unbelief made him waver stagger concerning the promise of God okay so remember Abraham took God his word is what it's talking about He grew strong in his faith he gave glory to God fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised fully convinced Abraham was fully convinced that God's word, when he said it, it was true, and he acted on it. That is why his faith was put to his account for righteousness, because he believed God. But these words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, verse 24, but for whose? Ours. So as we sit here this morning and look back at, at this last thing, giving thanks to the Father because He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of saints of life. He's delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption of sin, who have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Here it says in Abraham, these words were given for us now. It will be counted to us who believe in Him who raised Jesus, who, excuse me, raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, and who delivered up Our trespasses and raised for our justification. So, the question in closing that's on your outline is very simple. Who qualifies you? Who does this for you? Nothing you can do on your own. As Abraham here, Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. I don't know where you are here this morning. If you need to come to faith in Christ and be born again. Or you're as a believer, you're facing trials and and you need one of these qualities. You need one of these uh, indicators. Put your life against these indicators and say, how are you doing? But I do know this, that if you have a spiritual need, God knows that at this moment. And as you cry out to him, as Abraham did, believing he will do what he said he will do, he will do what he said he would do. You know, after I came to Christ as a freshman, I I, I really didn't have much training until that summer. But what I would do, I'd get on my knees, as I said about Psalm 34, and I would read the promises of what God had told me that, that I was born again. That's the only way I really knew to fully understand what had happened to me or not. I couldn't fully, I didn't unfully understand it. All I knew is God's word was true and I was counting on his word. And this is what Abraham did. And this is the example that God gave us this morning. So how are your indicators? This is what God says you need to compare your life against. To do what? Live a life pleasing to Him. So Paul is praying this so that you may have these indicators in your life. Now, if you're a guest with us here, I want to explain that Connect card. So there's a Connect card in your bullets. On the back of that Connect card is is how you respond to the message this morning. Because here's what we firmly believe. The local church has been called by God to help you take the next step of faith you need to take. Now, I'll be available. You know, Pastor Cook's available. Joseph here is available. Andrew, who led the music, is available. We're we're available to talk. But also, Pastor, for 21 years, I know a lot of people just kind of want to go incognito and talk later. I got that. That's the purpose for the Connect Card. But we do believe this. God's Word is alive and powerful, and it will change your life. We believe these indicators, so how are you doing against these indicators? So whether you need to come to Christ, or as a mission statement says, Christ-likeness, we're here to assist you in the next step of faith God has for you. Folks, it's hard times. They're hard times. And all of us But what are we to do? We're to thank God for what He's done. The fellow who called me last night, I told because he was going through a trial, I told him to go read Psalm 34 out loud. You know, the last thing I told him to do, I said, "This why don't, you, why don't you make a list of 25 things you're thankful for about what you're going through right now? Why? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So I, I think it's interesting, the last indicator here is giving thanks to God for what he's done. There's nothing like getting alone with God Paper and pencil, whatever you, however you do this, and just start logging. Lord, thank you for this. Lord, thank you for this. Lord, thank you for this. Lord, thank you for that. Because it changes our view of God because it makes us really, Lord, you are in control. You do love me. You do care about me. You do want me to be like Christ. But if you're going to be, woe is me, woe is me, and go throw a pity party, you're not giving thanks to God. There's no way You can be absorbed in self-pity, correctly understanding the knowledge of God who He is, producing good fruit, being strengthened by His power, and then giving thanks to Him. If If these four indicators are true, there's no way you can be having a pity party. Right? Who do you think I'm preaching to right now? I'm preaching to myself. Most of you are aware that, I think Thursday week, right? This eye is coming out. I have my moments. I do. But so as I prepare, I knew this was the passage I was to preach this morning to you. Before I knew the eye was coming out. Okay. But I'm telling you, God sovereignly brought it into my life. Why? Giving thanks to the one. So, folks, I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you this. These are the indicators if I'm living a life pleasing to Christ. Father, I do thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that Paul laid this out as the church of Colossae of this is what a life pleasing to Christ looks like. So, Father, where we need these indicators where these indicators are just going off in our heart that we're not doing that, I beg of you, Father, right now, through your grace and through your word, we'll be strengthened, we'll be increasing in the knowledge, and, Father, we will be producing good fruit. So, God, meet with us now. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.